Well, we want to welcome you out tonight. Thank you so much for coming out. And uh, excited for time in the Word. Excited to time, have time together and uh, just celebrating Christ and in prayer here in a little bit. So uh, I do want to welcome you out this evening. And we are going to look at a couple announcements to get started. And then we'll get into our devotion this evening. So a um, couple things real quick. Just a reminder, uh, starting Technically Sunday, but really today, uh, or this week technically, but it'll be the 7th is the first Sunday. We're doing our food drive for a local pantry. So uh, the whole month of February, we're collecting uh, non-perishable food items. And so out here in the lobby, there's already a table set up and some boxes and stuff. Uh, You can bring in whatever you'd like to bring in as far as non-perishable food items. Leave them in the boxes. You can leave them on the bags on the table. You can put the stuff in the box, whatever it is you'd like to do. Um, We're really praying that by the end of the month that we'll have that completely filled in. And that, again, all of that food will go to a local uh, pantry right here in Emily City. So we want to be a blessing to them. Uh, Another thing that we're excited about is our Discovering Church membership, which is coming up here uh, the 4th and the 11th. And so that's a great opportunity if you want to know more about what it means to be a member here at North Goodland or what our church believes. That's a great kind of format to do that. So we invite you out to that. So February 4th and February 11th at 4.30 p.m. Uh, All you need to do is sign up at the Welcome Center to get set up for that. Um, Also, we're going to be starting up uh, starting February 11th uh, continuing, I should say, our prayer adoption ministry, which this we've done before, where literally you just sign your name up on a piece of paper, and one of the other families that sign up will get your name, you'll get one of the other names of those that sign up, and you'll just be praying for one another. So it's a great way to pray for each other in the church and to be prayed for. Um, also, Football Sunday, really excited about Football Sunday. This is February 11th, and so we kind of just have some fun with the whole Super Bowl thing. And so we invite you out that morning. Uh, If you have a football jersey, something like that, feel free to wear that. We're going to have some different things going on in the morning service. Again, again, just a fun time that we're going to do. Our junior church, which is first through sixth grade, will be in the service with us. So they'll be in here with us and kind of all hanging out together. All right. Um, Also want to let you know Word of Life store is still going on. And so uh, they have opportunities, not tonight because of Nerf night, but almost every Wednesday night to use their Bible bucks, which they get from doing things like verse memorization, um, doing uh, consistent quiet times, Christian service, all those kind of things. They get their Bible box and they can use those in store to be able to get different things. And so that's all donation from the church. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can help out with that. And this Sunday, there will be a handout in the bulletin there. Wow. Wow. Apparently my phone's still connected to my watch. It's potential spam. Should I answer it? Just kidding. Jeez. Sorry about that, guys. I should have put them on speakerphone and, like, let it go through the microphone. That would have been pretty funny. All right. Let's try that again. So, Word of Life Store. So, there'll be an insert in the bulletin this Sunday so you can know more about that. Um, You can donate by dropping it off at the Welcome Center or giving it directly to Sandra. If you'd like to donate financially, you can do that too. And then what will happen is Sandra will just go out and get some various toys and things that they are low on. Um, Hallelujah Quilters have their quilting retreat starting up February 9th. And that is the 9th and the 10th, which is 10 a.m. Uh, on the 9th until 4 p.m. on Saturday the 10th. Uh, you can hang out both days. You can come for one of the days, some of the days, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, Friday night, there is a potluck, so they're encouraging you to bring a dish to pass. And you can sign up at the Welcome Center if you'd like to be a part of that. And that's not just for quilters. Uh, anyone that enjoys different crafts or things like that, you're welcome to come. And they're going to have a great time together, all right? And that is free. You just need to sign up so they know you're coming. 
All right. So that's all the announcements I have, really, for what's upcoming. Any questions about any upcoming events, activities, announcements like that? Yes, sir. Men's prayer breakfast. See, the problem is I use Sunday's bulletin today, so it's already out of there. Um, yes, men's prayer breakfast is this Saturday, 8 a.m. If you'd like to come and help uh, prepare some food, you can come about 7, 7.15. Uh, 8 o'clock is when we start, and we usually finish up about 9.15. All right, it's a great time of food, fellowship. We're obviously going to get into the Word. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, we open it up to where any of the guys that come on Sunday or Saturday mornings, uh, we give them the opportunity to share the devotion. And so this Saturday, uh, Jeff Morgan is going to be doing our devotion for that morning. So I'm really excited to hear what the Lord laid on his heart. And so that's going on again Saturday at 8 o'clock. Anyone's invited. It doesn't just have to be men from our church. It can be any men that you have a relationship with as far as coworkers, family members, friends, neighbors, whatever. We encourage you to invite them out. All right? So that's all the announcements I have. Yes, Avi. Nope. Nope. So we prepare all the food ahead of time for the most part. And then if you aren't coming early to cook, you just come and enjoy some food and hang out and have a good time. So, nope. Nope. Totally free. Uh, most of the men that, that prepare food, they actually just donate whatever food they bring in for a lot of it. So, um, it, yeah, it's always really good food. Sometimes it varies what we have. Um, and we do have children that come, like uh, sometimes people bring their sons or uh, grandsons. Um, and we, we love that. That's always welcomed as well. Um, we will have a time of devotion and a time of prayer. So they're invited to be a part of all of it. So, um, and I actually love, and I've shared this before, but I love that uh, some of the younger boys that have come through the years uh, have made comments about how that's impacted them later on. And so really love seeing that when, when younger uh, Boys can come out and kind of hang around some other Christian men. It's always a good thing. So, yeah, so we're excited about that. Yes. So this Sunday, right, is the uh, deadline for Secret Sister. So uh, any ladies that want to be a part of that, uh, out here in the lobby, there's the lift table. And there's some uh, booklets out there. And all you need to do is fill out part of that booklet. Uh, You keep part of it. You turn the other part in. And then uh, it'll get divvied out after Sunday the 4th. All right. So this Sunday, all of that's due. Renee, any other questions? Any other comments or questions? Are you good? Okay. Let's move on. Um, it's okay. It's okay. She, she talks when she's on stage too. It's fine. It's all good. Um, I'm just teasing. Do you have a question, Renee? I'd love to answer your question if you have one. Okay. Not now. Yeah. Well, she already asked questions of everybody else over here. So what's going on? <laughs> um, all right. Unless there's any other questions, seriously, we'll go ahead and pray. So obviously they're having Nerf night next door, so it's going to be loud. So just bear with us. I, I pray they have a great night tonight and a lot of fun. So but let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity just to gather to worship you. And, and Father, we thank you for the time that we're going to spend in your word this evening. Uh, I pray, Lord, that... Uh, as we do that, that you would be the center focus of our attention tonight. Uh, so, Father, we thank you for your word, which is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. It guides us and directs us and gives us wisdom and insight into the decisions that we need to make and, and principles that we can use to apply that you, Lord Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, came to this world. You were born of a virgin. You lived a sinless life. You died on a sinner's cross, were buried and rose again. And anyone who places their faith and trust in that truth of the gospel can be saved, given eternal life, all their sins forgiven, and set for eternity with you. And so, Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for grace, which brings the opportunity for us to be forgiven and to be saved. 
to have our sins washed away, not of any work that we have done, but only because of the finished work of the cross and the resurrection. And so, Father, again, I just come before you as we do often. If there's anyone here tonight uh, that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, maybe they're in person, maybe they're listening online, whatever it is, Lord, I just pray if they're hearing this message and, and they don't know Christ, I pray that before this message ends, before they leave this room, that they would take a time and reflect over their eternal state. If they don't know you, then, Lord, they can cry out tonight, ask you to be their Lord and Savior, repenting of their sins, which just means turning from our sins and trusting you. So, Father, would you work in that way? Holy Spirit, would you draw those to repentance that need to be drawn, that need to be saved, and that, again, they would turn their hearts and minds to you? Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. Be with this service. Be with the kids as they're having their Nerf night tonight, Lord. We know it's a fun night, but, Lord, we also know that the gospel is going forth, and we know that children will hear the gospel, and we pray that they would respond in faith to receive Christ. Father, thank you for all of our Word of Life leaders, uh, Lord, and the impact they're, they're making on this generation. And so, Father, thank you that we get to be a part of this time tonight. Be glorified in all of this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so tonight we're actually doing something, I know it's going to be weird for you guys to hear, a little bit different. So, um, I actually had uh, the Revelation study for tonight all done, sitting on the side of my desk, and then... This morning, believe it or not, uh, the Lord really kind of led me after reading through Psalms um, to dive into a Psalm tonight. And so uh, it made for a fun afternoon of trying to prep a little bit different. I thought I was like, oh, I'm all ready for tonight. Nope. Um, But it was great. It was a really good study, really good time in the Word today. So, but uh, some of you know we've done these on Sunday nights. Uh, We've not really done them on Wednesday nights, but we're going to do something we've been doing on Sunday nights at times tonight, which is we're going to give you a text. We're going to print out, uh, you have a printout of the text, and then we're going to give you some time, and we're going to encourage you just to mark up the text. So you're going to make some observations about the text. You're going to circle things that are going on in the text, what's being talked about, different words that jump out to you, phrases that jump out to you, and then we're going to kind of break it apart together, okay? So we're kind of doing like a text study, all right? And it's going to be on Psalm 51. Now, I do need a couple volunteers because we do have handouts for you and clipboards and pens. So, Renee, you're first. I'll let you choose what you want to hand out. There you go. There you go, sir. So everyone's going to need a handout. Um, I think I have enough, so we should be good. Uh, If you'd like a clipboard, there are clipboards up here as well. Does anyone need a pen? Pens? Pens? Oh. Pulls around? Yes. Yep. So we try to encourage everyone to get one. I know William won't take one, but that's fine. We're good. I've been trying for years, years. He just knows it up here. He's got it memorized up here. So he's doing this in his head. He's like, wait, let me just pull up Psalm 51. And there it is. I got it. Pull out my mental marker and start highlighting some things. Yeah, it's great. So really what you're getting again, is it's just the text from Psalm 51. Um, So hopefully again, We'll give you some time to go through that, but hopefully it's a blessing to you to work through it. What's that? <laughs> you can start, Lynn. You can dive right in. There's no time limit, per se. We will give you a certain amount of time, though. All right. More time to pray? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, that's the goal. That's always the goal. But sometimes the text. Yep. Yep. I will do my absolute very best. I always do. I just sometimes let the text get away from me. All right. Does everyone have a copy of the passage? Pen if you need it. Clipboard if you want one. You need a what? Uh, Any clipboards left? Oh, there are some in the back sound booth. We can get you one. I'll get you one in just a second, Andy. All right. So here's what we're going to do. So as I said, you see you've got the text there. Um, Usually, uh, when we give you guys the text printed out, it's usually King James. Um, This is actually the New American Standard translation. Um, Only because some of the wording I found was a little bit clearer in some way. So I hope that would help kind of connect you to the text a little bit quicker. Um, So what I want you to do is you're literally just going to read through it. And as you're reading through it, you're just going to start marking it up. So what I would do is if there's phrases or terms that you find that kind of speak to you or encourage you in some way. um, And so literally, I mean, you can mark it up, write all over it. Get all, over, get all in the text, okay? Uh, circle words, highlight or underline words, things like that. And then make some notes in between there as well. If there's other passages, Bible passages that come to your mind. You read a verse and you're thinking, that reminds me of this passage. Write that on there too. So I'm going to give you guys about 10 minutes, okay, to go ahead and do this. And then we'll come back and kind of break it all apart in about 10 minutes.
All right. Who who finished both sides? There's two sides, by the way. If I didn't tell you that, I apologize. Hopefully you knew that. Some of you are like, I thought I was done five minutes ago. Well, we are going to go ahead and, and jump in. So uh, I know I'm jumping ahead. Some of you guys maybe aren't done yet. Uh, with our time remaining, I can promise you we will not get through the entire psalm. So what I will encourage you to do is obviously work on this even this week. Uh, between now and next Wednesday, let it be maybe a devotional. You can kind of take one of your devotional times and dive into this and study a little bit. Um, so... We covered a lot of this on our Sunday nights when we were going through these psalm studies. Um, but there was a couple things I want to kind of just remind us of or maybe let you know if you weren't with us during those studies. Um, one of the things is when it comes to a psalm, what type of literature is the book of Psalms? How would we describe the literature that we find within Psalms. Yeah, it's kind of have various, like, you know, kind of implied meanings and um, certain things are given certain titles or described certain ways um, in a poetic sense. Also, one thing that we need to know about Psalms is the Psalms uh, reinforce our theology or our view of God, but we don't base our, our theology in the Psalms. So when we read the Psalms, we're not trying to take just one Psalm and say, okay, this is what God is like. We take all of Scripture to see who God is and what God is like and all those things. And then the Psalms reinforce what the rest of Scripture describes. Because it is poetry, okay, there's some wording and some language in there. Sometimes um, the psalmist might be expressing concern or heartbreak or saying, God, why have you done this? And if you're not careful, you can start to think, well, then God must have done that because the psalmist said he forgot him. So God must have forgot him. No, the rest of scripture says that God did not forget them. God does not forget us. But the psalmist is feeling that way. It's expressing an emotion. So we can reinforce our view of God with the psalms. We don't base our whole theology on the psalms, okay, because of the type of literature that it is in God's Word. So it's just reinforcing. Uh, another thing we need to note with this specific psalm, and somebody maybe has already caught this as you started reading through it, uh, what is this psalm known as? Or how have you heard this psalm described or identified? Okay, David's repentance psalm, right? That's probably the most popular way. Um, what was the sins that preceded this psalm? Okay, the sinned David, uh, who just if you don't know, David was a king in Israel. And David, as a king, made a decision to commit an act of adultery with another woman in Israel. And when he did that, um, her name was Bathsheba. And so when he did that, he tried to cover it up and pretend like nothing had happened. And so what was Bathsheba's husband's name? Uriah. And what was Uriah doing when this was all going on? He was actually in a battle fighting for David, fighting for Israel, okay? And so David then becomes a little bit in a situation when what happens with Bathsheba? She's expecting a child. And so David's grand plan is, I'll bring Uriah home from the fight. I'll send him home for, you know, some time with his wife. And then when she's discovered to be pregnant, no big deal. No one's going to know any different. So David brings Uriah home from battle. And what does Uriah do when he gets to the palace? He refuses to leave the palace. Why? I can't go have leisure and relax and be at home while everyone else is still fighting. Uh, and he says this more or less. I'm too loyal to you, David. And I've always been blown away by that. Like just the, 
the moment that that's hitting David right in the face, right? This guy's so loyal to David, he won't even go home. He sleeps in the doorway. So now David's really in trouble because sooner or later, most likely sooner, other people are going to start to realize something's going on here. So then he sends Uriah back to battle. But what does he do? He sends a message. message. Put Uriah on the front line and do what? Pull everyone else off the front line. And then he'll be killed in battle. I'll marry Bathsheba. I'll look like the good king, right? Caring for one of my soldiers' wives and widows. And everything will be fine. Now, we know the story. And you can read this in Second Samuel uh, 11 and 12. Kind of give us this account. Fast forward a little bit. What happens? A prophet named? He shows up. He tells this pretty powerful story to David, right? There was a rich man who had all of this thing, all he ever wanted. There was a poor man that had one little lamb, right? A traveler comes through the rich man. Instead of giving one of his lambs, what does he do? He goes and takes the poor man's lamb, slaughters it, feeds it to the guest. David gets enraged at this story. How could anyone do something like this? By the way, this is a great Right? It's so easy to go, how could they have ever? And this is why I love this story, because this is us. Right? This, is, this is humanity. So David gets enraged. What does David say should happen to the man that did this crime? He should be put to death. We need to find this guy and put him to death. And then what does Nathan say? David, you are the man. You're the one that did that. And this psalm follows that brokenness, that time of repentance, and that time of David crying out. So it's a famous psalm. And I want to kind of walk through, we'll probably just walk through that first six verses and kind of set the stage and see where, where David's at and all this. But we kind of need to know the background there. Like David is broken. David has realized his sin. He's understood that he did wrong. He's been confronted with his sin and he's responded favorably. He's, he's responded the right way, right? Now, what could David have done? Oh, Nathan, you don't know what you're talking about. That wasn't me. I didn't do anything. Right? Deny, deny, deny. Uh, he also could have had Nathan put to death because he's accusing the king, right? But he chooses rather to do the right thing and say, no, you're right. I, I am the man. I did do that. So let's dive in here to those first six verses and see where David's at in this psalm of repentance. So right away, first verse. And so when I was t- encourage you guys to write things down or circle things or mark things, I'm going to give you some examples in that first verse. So he says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my wrongdoings. So what are some words that you circled or underlined in that first verse? Okay, gracious. What else? Faithfulness. Greatness of what? Your compassion. And then what else? Anything else? Wipe out what it means to remove, right? My wrongdoings. What's another word for wrongdoings? Sin, right? And he says that later. He talks about wrongdoings and sin. So that's how we know he's talking about this is what I'm referring to here. Now, it's really good that you underlined or, or circled gracious, faithfulness, and compassion. Because here we see in David's repentant psalm, these first six verses are David's humble admittance of sin. So if you want to bracket the psalm, so I usually write a little bracket to the side of the numbers. So one through six would be one portion of the psalm. And you can do this differently. Maybe you broke it up differently. This is how I kind of broke it up. So one through six, 
7 through 12, and then it would be on the back uh, 13 through 19. So that's how we're going to kind of break it up, okay? Now, 6 to 7, that kind of keeps flowing through. So I'll explain a little bit, maybe most likely next week, why I broke that psalm there and kind of took a pause there. But I want to look at these first six verses together. The first thing we know, as I just said, is David's humbly admitting what? I've sinned. Now, when David's admitting this, we could call this psalm also a prayer. Okay, so he's praying this. He's asking God these things. He's confessing to God these things. Okay, and again, it's a great example for us in our prayer life and in our confession. Because if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't just repent once when you get saved. When we know Christ and we grow in Christ and we grow in his word and we're praying and we're seeking him, the spirit of God is so good to us and God is so good to us that over the course of our Christian life, we are continually repenting, right? Which repent just means what? What does repent mean? Okay, turning from and turning towards. So I repent of sin. I'm turning away from sin, but I'm turning towards Jesus. So I'm not just turning away from sin to self or to someone else. I turn from sin and I set my eyes on Christ. Why? Because as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm less likely to turn back to my sin. Okay? Because I want to draw close to him in his presence. So David's admitting these things. He's kind of pouring his heart out. As you're reading this psalm, as we're talking to this, like, don't think of someone else that needs to do this. Because that's what we do, right? Oh, man, so-and-so needs to read this psalm. Because they need to get their stuff together. Or I, you know, so-and-so did this and they need to do that. Let's do this as an evaluation of our own walk with Christ. Lord, how can I apply these things to my life? Does that mean that other people in your area of influence in your life don't need to repent? Of course they do. We all do. Do they need to fall on grace and ask for forgiveness of sin? Of course, we all do. But I don't want you to focus on anyone else right now. I want you to focus on your walk with the Lord. Where is the Lord leading you in this psalm? So those three words we talked about. Grace, faithfulness, and compassion, those are the basis for David's entire prayer. So as David is praying this, he's basing it on something. And he's going to build this prayer on these three blocks, kind of foundational blocks. Grace, faithfulness, compassion. So grace, this is an obvious one. What do we mean by grace? He says, well, be gracious to me. Extend your grace to me, Lord. Give me your grace. Grace just means unmerited favor, undeserved favor. God is gracious because he wants to be, not because we've earned it. So when David's crying out, be gracious to me, he's pleading for grace. He's not saying be gracious to me because I've earned it. We're going to find out in a little bit here. He's going to say he's earned the exact opposite of grace. And he's open in admitting that. But he says, oh, would you be gracious to me? This is important because some Christians think that grace just showed up when Jesus showed up. That God wasn't very gracious. That he was always angry in the Old Testament. He was always striking people with stuff. He was burning stuff up. He's just angry all the time. And then Jesus came and so thankfully delivered us from this really angry, mean Old Testament God. And now there's grace available. The reality is, Grace of God has always been because it's part of who God is. An attribute of God is grace. Was he gracious to Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden and he gave them a way to have a relationship with him? Absolutely. When he said, here, do this sacrifice and I'll give you this to cover yourselves and here's how you can have a relationship with me. That's all grace. It wasn't earned. Right? It wasn't deserved. 
And so grace is a foundational part of this understanding. When I come to God in confessing my sin, I come realizing there's grace available. And I truly believe, we see this all through scripture too, when people are actually in the presence of God, in, in either uh, a vision or in Isaiah's case, where he believes he's before the throne and, and he admits some things about himself. As that happens, whenever we're in the presence of God and the word of God, we are instantly aware of our sin and we're instantly aware of grace. That's amazing. We instantly know when we're in the presence of God, I've fallen short. I'm not perfect. I've not done everything God wants me to do. I'm a fallen, sinful man. I've done this. I've done that. And we become so aware of it. Why? Because we know it really. When we dig down deep, we know. But we're also, because God is gracious, we're instantly aware of the grace that's available for repentance. And here's the reality. There's no sin you can sin that God can't forgive. If you repent, trust in Christ. And this is the call that Jesus made. This is the call of the early church. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what's mind-boggling is there will be millions upon millions of people that will hear that and say, no, I'm good. I'm fine. And they will die in their sins, separated from God. Not because God wasn't gracious, but because God is gracious and also just. And so sin must be accounted for. So we see grace. The next one, faithfulness. What is a very, very important word right before faithfulness? Your faithfulness. You need to mark somewhere on there, not mine. It is not performance-based. God is not faithful to you because you are faithful to him. God is faithful to you because he chooses to be faithful to his own promises, his own will, his own purposes. He holds you because he promised he would and he will never break his promise because he's faithful to himself. So your faithfulness. Then we see this last kind of phrase, but the key word is compassion. But before that, it says the greatness of your compassion. I, when I think compassion, another word that comes to my mind that's all throughout scripture, but also even in the book of Psalms, is loving kindness is another word you'll hear a lot. And by the way, from the Psalms, how long does God's loving kindness last? Forever and ever and ever and ever. Every morning he gives us new mercies. His loving kindness is still there for us. And so here we see those three things are the foundation of David's prayer. God is a compassionate God that longs to show his loving kindness to humanity. Look at verse two. What is his specific prayer? He's crying out, wash me thoroughly for my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. So we need to connect guilt and sin, right? Why is he feeling guilty? Because he sinned. And he says, would you wash me of that guilt and wash me of that sin? When we're forgiven of our sin, there goes our guilt. That's the idea. Now, a verse you can jot down, maybe some of you did. I don't know if anyone wrote down 1 John 1, 9. But that's an amazing verse to connect us back to the New Testament, right? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, John says. This is not merely for salvation, but this is also as we walk with Christ, as we're living in this life. Now, I pointed out a minute ago, David connects guilt and sin. Why does he connect those two words? What's that, Lynn? Because they go together? 
How, how else would you describe this guilt that he's expressing? What's that? A weight. Yep. Yep. A weight that he's carrying, a burden, right? Another way to describe that guilt. Oh, sorry. What, Andy? Conviction? Yes. Okay. I would say probably more on the side of not so much Holy Spirit conviction, but maybe where he's convicting himself, condemning himself, right? We'll talk about in a minute why I think that is. Uh, could be some remorse in there. Yep. The word I was thinking is shame. I, when I hear guilt of sin, I hear shame. I, I imagine in my mind someone head down. Now, if you got your head down, I'm not talking about you. But someone head down, right, defeated, shoulders kind of sunk down and kind of just like don't pick their head up. And they just feel bad. And I think the weight illustration is great. Just like you're just carrying so much burden. And he's saying, if you would wash me of this guilt and sin, I can now walk free. I can walk with you. I can walk burden free is kind of what he's saying here. Mm -hmm. Right. He says from my guilt. Yep. Yep. He's the one that's, that's, that's putting this on him. He's the one saying it's, I feel this way. Absolutely. Uh, he goes on to say also, um, that when we are cleansed of that, that we can walk with him freely and we'll get to that in a little bit. But when I, when I thought about that, I, I wrote this down. When we repent, our guilt ceases. Like when you repent of your sin, the guilt stops. That's not always true practically, but that's how it should be. When I repent of a sin in Christ, the guilt I have of that sin is gone. Now, what do we do though? Do we live that out practically? We carry it with us. Now, David's going to talk about that in a little bit here about how he's expressing that as well. Also going on there in the passage, verse 3, it says, For I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. It's, it's right here. It's, it's in my face. I can't forget it. I know what only I have sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak. And blameless when you judge. Now. Did David just tell the truth? In verse 4. Was it only against God that he sinned? Who else did he sin against? Bathsheba. Uriah. His, his people. His nation. His position as king. Right? He sinned against a bunch of people. The the people that he said, go get me Bathsheba, inviting them into his sin, right? Who had no choice in the matter. And so when you think about this, what in the world is David saying? I I don't believe David is saying, I only have to give an account to God and no one else. I think what David is realizing is the greatest part of this, the greatest guilt I feel is that I've sinned against God. And ultimately and primarily, my sin against God is what matters most. I guess it's kind of how I would say it. I don't think he's dismissing sin against Bathsheba and Uriah and anyone else. I think he's saying, at its core, when I sin, I primarily sin against God, who is the only one who is completely holy, completely righteous, right? Completely objective and sinless. And so he's saying, I ultimately have sinned against you, God, and that's what's weighing on me. Now, we sometimes flip that around. We sin against someone. We know we've sinned against them, but the reason we're guilty is more because of how it affected them. Maybe they're going to 
respond in a certain way. Or maybe we're worried what others will find out when they find out how they're going to respond. So we're, we're more concerned about those things than we are about this relationship. And I think David's point is, yeah, we can acknowledge sin against others, but we better first realize we've sinned against God, who ultimately is the one we're also going to give an account to, right? And he's our authority. He's our judge, Avi. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Yep. Right. Yep. Yes. So in, in case you, I know it's getting a little loud over there, but what Avi was saying is um, because God is the one that is perfect, righteous, holy, and because the sin that David committed is evil in God's sight, and God is ultimately the judge, therefore justified in condemning and, and you know, bringing judgment of evil, whereas those he sinned against cannot bring that same judgment because they are also sinful and fallen and broken. So, no, absolutely great point for sure. David. Mm. Yeah. 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 Bad cover-up job, right? Like, God, you weren't fooled by this. You know what's really going on. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, David points out that God is right. We just talked about this. God is right in his judgment, right? He's, he's blameless when he judges because David's deserved. So again, the grace he cried for in verse 1 is undeserved because he admits, I really deserve judgment. I really deserve your, your, your wrath. But you've chosen to offer me grace, Okay. It's also in this part of the passage that we, many of us quote. Uh, he says here, behold, I was brought forth in guilt, verse 5, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in secret you will make wisdom known to me. Now that verse, verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and in sin my mother conceived me. This is kind of one of those things, again, this reaffirms some theology, but we don't base it just in this. So if you want to jot down next to verse 5, and you can check it out on your own, Romans chapter 5, really the whole chapter, but specifically Romans 5, 12. Paul's going to speak to this idea that we've all, and he does this all through Romans, that because of one man, Adam, sin passed upon all men, therefore all have sinned and all die. So that's Paul going all the way back to Genesis 3, believing and connecting that when we're born, we're born sinners. We are born with a sin nature. We are born with the intent and the desire away from righteousness. And that's why we need, verse 1, grace. Because at my core, I'm going to rebel. And if any of you have raised children, you know this is true. When your child cried for no other reason than to manipulate you to picking them up, that's sin. Because they learn, hey, I cry, they do what I want. I can control them, right? I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but we can see that. Here's another example. Do we have to, have to teach children to do good things or do bad things when they're growing up? We have to teach them to do good things. Do you teach a child to lie or not to lie? Why? Because what will they of their own nature do? Lie, right? 
You ever ask your three-year-old, why did you do this? I didn't do that. Well, who did? I don't know, as the evidence is on their face or on their hands and it's all around them, right? So this is David again. This psalm reaffirms that understanding, okay? Um, so Romans 5.12 is a great point to talk about there. Romans 3 obviously would also talk about this idea that there is none righteous, no, not one. Um, and then, so we get to this idea of what David is feeling and is experiencing. And he talks about the city that it's ever before me, it's with me, it's constantly before me. He says, make me wise in the inner man. He wants to know these things to be true. And I'm actually sure of the fact that we can all relate to how David is feeling. We ask to be forgiven, but the memory of those sins haunt us and haunt our minds. The truth is, most likely, you will never fully forget your sin. Some of you remember sins you committed as a teenager when you were younger. You don't dwell on it, but if I asked you, you could, you could tell me what you've done. You remember those things. But I want to encourage you that although we can allow those things to linger, we are forgiven in grace. We may not forget the sin, but actually it's kind of a good thing. It's good that we don't forget the sin. Because every time I think of the sin, what should I be reminded of? The grace. How God was loving and gracious to forgive me. However, we must be guarded against letting our past sins hold us victim. So this goes back to what I was saying before, that the flesh will use guilt to keep us down, feeling defeated. When we are forgiven in Christ, we are forgiven fully and set free. The Spirit of God will never guilt you or make you feel shamed as a follower of Christ. The Spirit of God will convict you unto repentance. Once repent, not to beat yourself up with past sins. All right? Well, we need to stop here. We are out of time. And so uh, next week, bring this back with you. We'll continue this together. If you are unable to remember to bring this back, I'm not going to ask you to raise your or raise a hand or look at me or anything. But if you know you and you're like, there's no chance I bring this back next week. There's no chance. It's going to be in my car. It's gone. Okay? You can write your name on it if you'd like and leave it up front here. And we'll make sure we get it to you next week. All right? Well, let's do this, guys. We'll pray. And then what we'll do is we'll dismiss for our prayer time. So what we do is, uh, if you haven't been with us before on a Wednesday night, um, men, we're going to head down the hallway and we'll kind of spend some time together in prayer. And then ladies, uh, you guys will, are you going to the room down there? Down there, like normal? Okay. Yep. Yep. So the ladies will be in the nursing room at the end of the hall, uh, last door on the right. Men will be down here, first door on the right, past the restrooms. All right. So let's pray. And then we'll let you guys be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you again for all the laughter and the, the joy and the fun that's being had by the children. We praise you for every one of them. We pray, Lord, that you would just, again, encourage them through your word. I pray that those that heard the gospel tonight, that if they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, made a decision for you. Lord, if they did not make a decision tonight, Lord, I pray that seeds were planted and that, Lord, by your working and by your Holy Spirit, you would grow that, nurture that seed, and bring about eternal fruit. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. We praise you for all that you do. Thank you for your grace and your loving kindness, your compassion over us, Lord, in our sin. We pray, Lord, that we would cry out to you where we need to, repent and turn from that sin and trust in you. And Father, if we know somebody that's battling in sin, I pray, Lord, that we would look at them with the eyes of compassion that you look at us with. We pray for them to, that they would come to know that repentance for themselves. So Father, help us, Lord, to be 
be just real before you, to be honest before you, Lord, because you know what's going on. Give us wisdom. Give us insight in your word. We'll thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.